You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loan Studios, National Mortgage Lender, Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Send the tweet, send them hot at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. I was going to start with something different, and then right before the show, and I mean minutes before the show, I talked to Deben, and uh, Tom talked me into start, starting with something else. Now, I'm going to get to the point I wanted to make. But I think this needs to be addressed. If you've listened on Sunday night between 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern over the last three years and then here over the last month as we switch time slots, you would know that uh, I'm in Cleveland and that I do Browns broadcasts and I grew up a fan of and I I still am. As Everybody hates admitting they're a fan for whatever reason. I think it's perfectly fine and perfectly healthy. I'm a fan of the Browns. And so right before the show started, Tom goes, you know, it's 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 a deal. It's a big deal because we were going to bring it up in five burning questions, and I was going to kind of move on. I go, no, you know, if you've listened to it for any amount of time or you're looking for any sort of a perspective after the Seth Wickersham piece, I guess I'm going to provide it. So let me say this. I read the Seth Wickersham piece. I've been in the building for six years, seeing the way it's gone for six years. I will admit the hashtag DP was something that was pretty new. Uh, I didn't know about that necessarily. But about 98% of it, good and certainly terrible, uh, we had heard about and we had talked about here in Cleveland Radio. So to see that piece, it wasn't the most overwhelming, enlightening thing. There was some stuff that got brought to light there. But again, 98% of it was stuff we had already seen. And that's not a shot against Seth Wickersham whatsoever. The guy is is a... expose writer. He's an investigative journalist, and he does a fine job at it. He did it with the Patriots last year. He did it with the Browns this year. I don't have any ill will. I'm not one of the people, oh, he's just a hater on Cleveland, like what New England fans would do when he had the expose about the Patriots. There's also something I'm wrestling with here, because where I come from and my perspective makes it a little bit differently. I think right now, that this was the Seth Wickersham piece was a piece that goes over the history, over the recent history, and, and really digs up the course and, corpse and goes over it again. That's the way I feel about it. And I can sit here and tell you that things are different with the Browns, and I can, I can feel strongly about it. I can get myself worked into a shoot about it and start talking about how things are different because they have Baker Mayfield, because John Dorsey's an actual guy who knows football and, and can study a little bit of the football and obviously knows some of the analytics that are, are given to him from some of the guys on the analytical side of the table, and, and they can bring it all together and they can actually make a competitive football team. And part of that is because of what's just happened over the last few months. I can sit here and say that. I do know that about 90% of you will listen to go, yeah, well, until the Browns actually start to win some football games consistently, you're going to still look at that piece and go, yep, that's the problem with the Browns. Thank God we're not the Browns. I I know that going in. So it it makes for a very difficult situation because I can look at it and go, yeah, the Browns are going to be better because of Baker Mayfield. You get a better quarterback, a guy who can shoulder the burden, a guy who can play franchise-level football in the NFL, you should be a better football team. If there was anything that we really truly learned, or at least I did, really truly learned over the Seth Wickersham piece, 
Two things. And when it comes to the Haslam's, when things go poorly, you constantly want to fix it. Egotism gets involved. You're a billionaire. I don't care how humble you make yourself out to be. Every single billionaire has an ego. And because they've had success in other walks of life, they think they can be successful in every walk of life. Successful people, that breeds hubris. That breeds, well, I have the Midas touch. I can fix anything. And that includes football. And you have to take it on the chin. Because when they come from the Pittsburgh Steelers, a family that has been doing it right for a very long time, and even though that the waters are a little bit rough right now, they'll probably still be able to straighten everything out because they're the Roonies and they've had a lot of experience since 1933 being able to do this. Well, the Haslam's have about five or six. So it's going to take a little bit. And I can try to sit here and make excuses because that's what it's going to sound like to you. For me, I can only say that the thing that I learned was new ownership is going to have a problem everywhere. And that I think I learned, and I believed this before, but now I think I know, that if you have a quarterback, you can bring him in and you can talk about how this guy changes it, just draft a quarterback and go. And and a lot of times it's right. But I see this draft class, this last draft class in 2018, and even before that, and this isn't about if you if you have a QB, you should take a QB. And they didn't take a QB for a while, and that's why they were in the hell that they were in. But there is such a thing as fit. There is such a thing as right guy, right place, right situation. I look at the 2018 draft class, and some people are going to think I'm wrong, fine. 2017, 2016, you can get involved in that a little bit. You can go back to I probably Andrew Luck would be the only other guy because the Ursays can be pretty nuts in their own right. There's only one guy that I think could handle that situation because it is, and because it's old hat in Cleveland, we kind of moved on. But for a lot of people, it was eye-opening across the country just, wow, this really gives you an inside look at why the Browns have been the Browns over the last how many years. But Baker Mayfield was the right guy for the job. I don't believe now, and I was a Sam Darnold guy. Tom knows I was a Sam Darnold guy. Anybody who listened on Sunday night knew I was a Sam Darnold guy. I look back on this season, the Hugh Jackson stuff, and knowing stuff that I won't even share on air about Hugh Jackson in that building, what was going on between him and Todd Haley, what was going on between the whole organization over the last six years, to know what was happening. It it does make me purely honest about what I think about Baker Mayfield in the terms of there was only one guy out of this draft class who could have handled it. I think Sam Darnold probably would have buckled under the pressure. They could have had a big, big problem with Sam Darnold this year. They could have had a very big problem with Josh Rosen this year. Josh Allen, it would not have been the right situation. You look at Lamar Jackson, it would have been a horrific situation for a guy like him who needs to be brought in under the right circumstances. And you see, with a strong head coach like John Harbaugh is, was brought in under the right circumstances, and while I can be skeptical and a lot of fans can be skeptical, was still done the right way, and they were able to bring him in, have some success, scheme it up, and now it looks like they might have, we don't know about their future, but it still seems to be very bright. And at least they'll give him the best shot he can get to be a good quality franchise level starting quarterback in the NFL. But for the Cleveland Browns, it's different. You needed a guy who doesn't care about the past, who isn't afraid of the quarterback jersey, who could deal with the problems that they had, who could deal with having a problem with the head coach, who could deal with having a problem with a change in general managers, a change in the perception of what the organization is, and having to handle that all throughout the year. 
I can sit here and say that to you. I know at the end of this entire diatribe, though, that it's still not going to matter. For a lot of people out there, the Browns are the Browns, and until they actually get to the playoffs, this type of stuff will be that reason. That's all there is. So I know that going in. So if you call about the Browns over the next year, I just know that's in the back of my head. I think they're in a better spot. I think they're in a better spot because of Baker Mayfield and because of John Dorsey. I like Freddie Kitchens a whole bunch. I like some of the young talent that they have. Miles Garrett can be a fantastic pass rusher year after year after year and is obviously a pro bowler this year and could be even better if they get something on the other side of the defensive line. So that's where I stand with them. The expose itself, while not an expose to a lot of us here in Northeast Ohio, an eye-opening look into why they've been the way they've been. But in a lot of cases, a lot of teams face some of the similar type of problems and similar type of trappings. It's just the Browns have had it umpteen times over again, and even to a more bizarre degree, especially when you bring in the social media stuff. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Now with what I was going to start off with. Because for some people, it is an obsession. For some people, it's their lives. And you can think about it what you want. You could think it's a right thing. You could think it's a wrong thing. You can think it's a pathetic thing. You can think it's a beautiful thing. Saints fans have every right to be vocal and petty and angry and loud, and resentful, and bitter, and every other word that I could possibly name off to represent how their feelings are, even a week after what happened. They have every right to do that. Because for some of us, we can look at this and go, hey, it's an entertainment business. And I say it all the time. Your business is entertainment. Entertain me. I don't care about the sanctity of whatever it is. You're a professional, money-making organization. You're supposed to entertain me. Entertain me. Entertain me with replays. Entertain me with different camera angles. Entertain me with offense. Entertain me is what I deem always and forever the number one priority of the NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, of the NHL, NBA, NASCAR, whatever it might be. The PGA, entertain me. You're there to take my mind off life. You're there to take my mind off real pressures. I'm supposed to live vicariously through you. And some people take it to the umpteenth degree. And there are Saints fans out there, no matter what you may think, maybe you think that sports is just a side and and something for enjoyment, something to not get too excited about. There's a place for you. But there are people there who take it seriously. It's their lives. Whatever it is in their personal life, it doesn't go their way. The Saints have always been there. Whatever it is in their professional lives, it doesn't go their way. The Saints have always been there. They come from diverse backgrounds. They come from bad backgrounds. To them, their team's always there. That's why when a team moves, I can't just get up on the radio and say, well, you know, you got to get the Jacksonville Jaguars the hell out of Jacksonville because nobody even goes to the games and nobody even cares. No, somebody there cares, and it's their entire life. The Raiders are moving to Vegas. People in, in Oakland and all around California care. And there's some people who say, hey, it's okay. They've always been a nomadic team, and Vegas isn't that far away, and I'll go watch the Raiders. And there's some people who are crying very serious tears over their football team, leaving their area because they don't know if they can make it. And it bothers them that they're no longer there. It's a horrible thing to happen. So they take it very seriously. And especially in the NFL where it's a once-a-week thing, it's tribal it's almost like a holiday baseball. You're there 81 times a day or 81 times a year. You're there 41 times a year in the NBA. It, it, it's a different level. 
in those two professional sports, but in football, 10 times a year, basically. And if you're playing the international series, it's only nine, 10 times a year when you include the preseason. You can get together, you can have some fun, you talk about it, and your team's at home, and you meet in the same area of the seats that you have for 10, 15, 20-plus years. And it's serious to them. And for those folks, this is the culmination not only of what they've done, what their favorite football team has done, what the colors that they love have done. It's a culmination that they share in it together. Their heart, their pain, their suffering, their joy, it's all in there together. That's what makes pro sports and sports in general play it at a high level so beautiful. It can be sad. It can be ugly in some certain instances like we've seen in the past, but it can be absolutely beautiful. So I've wrestled with this over this last week because by Tuesday, by Wednesday, I started to get a little bit tired of it. You had the the class action lawsuit. Well, you can't sue them and replay a final minute and a half of a football game. That's absolutely ridiculous. You can't do anything like that. You can't go out there and you can't. You have the billboards. You have the cookies. You have the optometrist that's offering free eye exams. You have all these different types of walks of life to have some tongue-in-cheek and to have some fun with it. And for a while, I got bothered by it. For, for, for just a moment out of this long while, I, I was bothered by it. And then I thought, well, how would I feel? I told you at the beginning of the segment how much that I've grown up a Browns fan. To see the Browns suck up the room for 20 years, and what if I'm right? What if Baker Mayfield leads them to the playoffs? We've seen before. You don't know how many times you're going to get it. These are precious, precious trips. With a young quarterback, you don't know if you're ever going to get it again. Carson Wentz, we're arguing about whether or not to trade him out of Philly. You don't know when it's ever going to happen again. And when you have an older quarterback, an all-time legend, an underrated all-time legend, and a guy like Drew, your organization, with the exception of a couple of decent years in the sun, have been awful. Before Drew Brees showed up, and there's always the possibility after Drew Brees leaves that you could be the Saints of old, a guy at 40 years old, and it seems to you to be ripped away because of a pass interference call that wasn't made that everybody in the world, in the booth and all across the country saw. It's pretty hard for me to tell you to shut up. It's really tough. I can't do it. And I want to do it. I can tell you to be careful, and I think you should be careful because referees are, while they want to purport themselves to be above the law or to the letter of the law or above petty jealousy is really the words I'm looking for, above retribution, while they're supposed to be above that, they're not. They're humans just like any of us. And when I start to draw the links between myself and, and as a fan and as an analyst to what's going on in New Orleans and what happens with that fan base, I just say, hey, I, I know you're angry and I know you're upset. You have every right to be so. You can fill out, when I say that, that I'm tired of it, you know what? You can fill out as many petitions as you want. And I don't think it's going to do anything, but if it makes you feel any better or if it makes you feel even together more as a fan base, you go right on ahead and do it, brother. You sign all the petitions you want. You make all the cookies you want. You have all the eye exams you want. You file all the lawsuits that you could possibly file. Whatever's going to make you feel better, you go ahead and do it. I just I just want to give you some caution. That's all I want. Because I was there a couple of years ago, and it's been more than a couple of years ago. I saw what happened. We have an incident in Cleveland where the game got ripped away from the Browns when the Browns were good and fans got upset and some fans tossed some bottles out there in the field. And if you go to any bar, if you're ever traveling through Northeast Ohio for whatever reason, and maybe you get caught in a snowstorm in this area because you're likely to do so at this time of year, and you stop into any one of the watering holes or a hotel bar and maybe there's some locals there, 
you'll find guys who are completely sober sitting at the bar, sitting at the stools, the bartender behind it, it doesn't matter, who will tell you they think the refs still have it out for him for this day. They think the most bizarre calls happen for their teams. Now, there are fan bases all over the place that think that the refs are against them. But ever since that day, there has always been a long-standing thought here in Cleveland and here across Northeast Ohio with any Browns fan out there that since the day of Bottlegate, which was an ugly day, absolutely an ugly day, and a lot of people regret it, that the referees have had it out for their favorite football team. These are long-standing, proud individuals in the NFL as referees. They're a fraternity. A lot of it is can be seen as nepotism in some ways. It is a family business to some of them. And they are very proud individuals. And they will back each other up to the hilt. And if they feel as if one of theirs are attacked, I can't say that they're above retribution. I could never say that they're above a little bit of revenge. How could you? This isn't the Supreme Court. This is the NFL. And what you believe in real time, well, I can sit here and tell you it's to the letter of the law, and maybe you believe it. There's something back there. So while Saints fan is upset, and I would believe that you should be upset, because you don't know if you're ever going back. Maybe it all falls apart for Drew next year. Maybe the arm just isn't there as much. Maybe the body starts to lie to him a little bit, and maybe he starts to fade away. And then you're left with that one great championship, which they can never take away from you as a fan base and certainly as an organization. But then you can think, what could have happened in the 2018-2019 postseason? What could have happened there if one goofball was looking the way it was supposed to look and saw the train wreck that happened right in front of God and everybody else except for the seven officials that were there on the field? So if you're upset... I can't take anything away from you, and I can't blame you for being upset. I'd be beside myself. If it's my favorite team while my quarterback's young, I'd be losing my mind, honestly. But I just give you the fair caution because if you take it a little bit too far, it can go to an ugly place with the referees real quick. They're human just like you and me, and they can hold grudges just like you and me. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. A lot coming up. We'll get to your calls coming up next. What should be done about this? And do you sympathize with those Saints fans? And honestly, if you want some change, more replay isn't going to get what's done what's done. If you want real change, put their jobs on the line. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Coming up at 1135, 1140 a.m. Eastern, Dan Shaughnessy, Boston Globe. He'll join us. We'll talk about Tom Brady and the Patriots. Also, he only voted for Mariano Rivera in the Baseball Hall of Fame. We will talk Baseball Hall of Fame coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern because they might call it purity. I call it hypocrisy. Also, Pro Bowl or what? Because Tom hates the Pro Bowl. I think he's totally overdoing it. It's a topic we have to do every single time this year comes around or every single year this time comes around. So we have to talk about it, and I think that Tom is being completely disingenuous about his hate about the Pro Bowl, and I'll illustrate that coming up a little bit later on in the show. Also, vibrating questions, 12.20 p.m. Eastern, and Chad Brown will join us, former NFLer, outside linebacker. You hear him in Denver. You watch him in Denver. He was down at the Senior Bowl throughout this week. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I'll tell you what should be done about all this here in a moment. But I want to hear you first. Roger in Washington State. What do you want to tell me about the refs and the replays, friend? Oh, get rid of them both. <laughs> all get of it? Get rid of both of them. Yeah, yeah. Play, without, play, play like uh, I used to play when I was a kid. I played from 68 to 80 when I was in eighth grade. And I like playing with no referees. 
No, no replay, no nothing. You know no what I mean? Re- wait a minute, no refs. <laughs> you gotta have refs. Yeah, right? I, grew up, I grew up in East Tennessee. You gotta cut me some slack, brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Go ahead. Uh, I'm. Not, I don't think. I don't think you're wrong about the about the replay. Because Chuck Knoll was the originator, and I know I've said this on this show before. Chuck Knoll was the originator who told people, you better be careful what you wish for about the replays. Because they were talking about about this in the 90s, Roger, and he said, eventually, you're going to start looking for things in the replay that you weren't even supposed to fix in the first place. And he couldn't have been more right about it. And when people are saying, well, no, you need to have replays of of pass interference – we're going to sit here and have replays of pass interference. It's the same thing as holding. I could show you on every single play. I, if, I was a, if I was a coach, I could job the system at the right time to get a pass interference and be able to get myself an easy first down if I wanted to because I know that 90% of the plays, there's going to be something that's questionable, whether it be pass interference or I'm sure they'll find a defensive hold during some of these plays. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I played safety on defense, and I just got TV for the first time since I was in college in 94, 95 here wow. uh, about a month ago. And wow. I've seen pass interference on every play out there. They're all, they're, I, I thought you shouldn't touch the player before the ball touches their hand. You know what I'm saying? It looks yeah. like there's pass interference on every play now. They're just not calling it. You know? there, there's and I, and I and I know from any fan out there, it, it was an egregious miscall. And thank you very much for the call, Roger. It was an egregious error. Absolutely horrible, but that's not the way to fix it. If you really want to fix it, put their heads on the line. You really want to fix this thing, put them on it. You already got rid of who? Hugo Cruz earlier this season on a non-false start call against the Chargers earlier this year. It was the first ref fired in like 20-something, 30-something years. You really want to do it? They're $200 a year jobs, and I hate calling for people's jobs. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. There's a wife. There's a kid. There's health insurance there. I hate it when we do it on social media. Well, that so-and-so should be fired. Should they really be fired? Would you want to be fired for the same mistake? But these are $200,000 a year jobs, and it's not like they're going into a referee factory. They're not working 40 hours a week in the referee factory, I promise you. If you can't do it at that level, I get that everybody makes mistakes, but if you can't do it, find somebody else who can. If if you put serious retribution in there that way, because more replay, it's just going to fog it up the mirror even more. 855-2124-CBS. More of your calls coming up. And also, and I want to know, what should be done about it? And do you sympathize with Saints fans? Even a week out, do you sympathize with Saints fans? And also, hey, if you want Tom Brady gone, better not just hope he loses in the Super Bowl next week. You better hope he gets his ass completely kicked. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Number 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. I bet you didn't know this. It's brought to you by GEICO. I bet you did know this. You can save a ton of money on your car insurance, 15% or more in just about 15 minutes by switching to GEICO. Give them a call or go to GEICO.com. I mean, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful service that they have. It's a great thing that they've provided. Check them out at GEICO.com. We got Tom Benedetto taking care of everything. Again, 855-2124-CBS. What should be done about the whole blown pass interference call? Do you sympathize with Saints fans even a week later? Some people are getting annoyed. I still have to take some sympathy with them. I, I got to get to Tom about something real quick before we get to Edwin and everybody else. Tom, hello. Is Tom on the phone? Get Tom off the phone. Put Tom on with I'm me sorry, right I was now. on the phone. Tom, tell him to hold. This is more important. I did. I, I'm here. Were you in Seattle this weekend, or what happened? How did you? How did I read a tweet where you were crying? No, what, no, what was going is, on? This is from fall 2016 when I went to the oh, Experience geez. Music Project in Seattle. Oh, 
I was just okay. reacting to a current tweet of somebody praising Nirvana's legendary unplugged performance and agreeing with it and then saying that the sweater that he that Kurt Cobain wore in that performance I saw in person I wasn't expecting to stumble upon it in this museum and when I saw it it brought me to tears. Really? Yeah, it did. Is it is he the only celebrity you've cried for? Mm, definitely not. I I can't think of other examples off the top of my head but definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, what well, Kevin Wall, Kevin Wall, hello. Speak on the microphone, Kevin. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I'm sorry, Kevin. Who's the? Have you ever cried for a celebrity? No. You've never cried for any celebrity whatsoever who's passed. Uh, no, not yet. And your heart's as cold as sandwich meat, Kevin. All right, you're a dud. I'm going back to Tom. Tom, did you think anybody else you cried for? Because I was surprised to see that. I know you're you. You can be an emotional fella, and that's why I like you. Yeah. You wear the heart on the sleeve, but you were crying over Kurt Cobain, man. Yeah, especially young talent wasted. That to me, that just gets me. <sighs> That's the most tragic thing. I can't believe I can't think of another example. There I... was another one recently that got me in music. It wasn't Chris Cornell. No, it wasn't Tom. Amy Petty. Wine. Amy Not Winehouse. It wasn't Amy Winehouse. Not to blow your spot, he said. Yeah, I cried for Tom Petty. I went in well because now I have sons. Um, I've seen my dad cry twice in my life. Once when his brother died. And once when uh, when my uncle, and then uh, once when the dog died, him and the dog hated each other. Uh, I still felt it was a little weird at the time, not not to be. Uh, I know it's twenty nineteen, it's twenty nineteen, but I had to uh, recuse myself and go to my office and lock the door behind me and have a moment after Tom Petty died. Perfectly acceptable. Thank Perfectly. you. Because I think it's v- small children. I think it would be weird to see their father cry. Does that make sense? I remember the first time I saw my father cry, uh, 1994, spring of 1994, Rangers fi- closing out the Stanley Cup. Okay, but that's happy tears. Yes. That's happy it, tears. But I still remember it, so it wasn't like yes. it wasn't traumatic. I was five years old. Yes, tears of sadness. But, like, my father, uh, we're going to go down a misogynistic road somehow with some people, but what the hell. Uh, my father my father deals with sadness in a very different way than a lot of people do, and I, I tend to follow up on it. Like when my grandmother died, it was his mother-in-law who passed away. I was seven years old, Tom. And my mother was upset because the hospital. Now, he, he and his mother-in-law, my grandmother, got along very well. They really liked each other. He hated my father, my, my his father-in-law, but he loved my mother-in-law, his mother-in-law. So my grandmother passes away. My mother's upset and this is like a day after the funeral, she finds out that a song called Release Me is playing. Are you following me on this, Tom? I'm, I'm following. So on the Muzak, a song called Release Me is playing at the hospital in Canton while she was passing away, I suppose. And I'm sitting there, I haven't forgotten this, I was seven years old, and my mother goes, the lyrics of it, Ken, it was Release Me, your lips are cold, you're about to die, so release me? And my father looks at her and goes, well, at least it wasn't Highway to Hell. <laughs> I remember that to this day. So my father dealing with sadness, it's a little bit, it's a little surprising. And the other time I cried was when I was a kid when Dale Earnhardt died. And we were playing video games over at my buddy's house. We had one TV in the room. He had two TVs in his bedroom. Selfish bastard. We had two TVs in his bedroom. You had one that was affixed to the race because I wanted to see the Daytona 500. The other one, we were playing We were playing NFL game day. Not Madden, game day. We were in a tournament. Dale Earnhardt wrecks. It looks normal. That's fine. I swear to God to you on this, Tom. You ready? You ready for this? Yes. 12 laps to go. Maybe 10. My friend down the street, Dan Duncan, 
I'm watching the race. Dale's running well. He goes, hey, wouldn't it be funny if Dale Earnhardt wrecked and died? Swear to God. What? Swear to God. So the sound's off. What? Follow me on this. The sound, we had it muted. So he wrecks and going, ah, and he finished like 12th or something. And I went, ah, you know, that's the way she goes. And I turned off the TV. I went home. We're eating dinner. It's steak and spaghetti because that's my favorite dinner. Uh, and my dad, because my dad's kind of weird, and my mom's kind of weird too, they had the scanner going, the police scanner, because that's what we used to do during dinner. We'd eat dinner and listen to the police scanner. This keeps yeah, getting I know. better. Yeah, I know. So we're eating dinner, <laughs> and a phone call. Every now and then you pick up a phone call, and a guy is on the phone, and he's talking to his buddies. He's like, you hear about Dale Earnhardt? And I'm like, yeah, man, bad rate. He goes, no, nah, man, he died. I'm like, What? We went over, we turn on the we turn on the news, Dale died. My mom goes, Kenny, come in here and finish your dinner. I go, there's nothing to finish. Dale's dead. And I went running into my room and I cried. I call up my buddy. My Danny is still down at the down at my other friend's house, Matt Long's house down the street, Tom. I call up Matt, I call up Danny. And he ain't at his house. I call up Matt. I'm in hysterics. I'm in hysterics. And I'm screaming, you killed him, you bastard, you killed him. Why did you say? I mean, I was screaming into the phone. My mother had to take away the phone from me. Can't blame you. That guy has to carry that around, had to carry it around I the mean, rest of his life. I was, like, I was like Red Foreman, Red Foreman's wife in Dead Poet Society. And he's, was okay. Only 10 laps left he's okay. He's okay. He's oh okay. I was gosh. losing my mind. Losing my mind. And even to this day, Tom... Because Dale kind of looks like my father, except my dad kind of looks like Mr. Burns with a mustache, not Dale Earnhardt. Uh, because of we were big Dale Earnhardt fans, I'm still sad to this day about certain Dale Earnhardt stuff. I can imagine. I can imagine. Like, I will still get emotional. I mean, he he died on the racetrack. That's yeah, that crazy. Sucked. Yeah, that was a bad day. That was a bad day that day. I remember who I recently cried over. You're going to love how who is it? nerdy this is. I'm Edwin, I promise all the everybody else when we get to you, we'll get back to business. But I got to hear. What, tell me about your sadness, do, Tom. Do you Go know ahead. the name Dolores O'Rourdon? Who the hell is that? She was the front woman of the Cranberries. You know the band the Cranberries? Oh, yeah. are they the one that played the uh, zombie song? That's right. Zombie. I love this band. I love her. And she died very suddenly this past year and it blew me away. She had like problems, some addiction problems and whatever, but she was not. Oh. She was young. She still had, they were going to go back out on the road. She had another oh. album coming out. It was one of those. Yeah. That's who she was. I now I remember. You cried? I cried. You're a sensitive guy. Now, what's the statute of limitation on jokes, real quick, for you? When someone like, even though Dale Dale's been dead for a long time, and I love Dale Earnhardt, and I and I have a whole bunch of memorabilia back in Canton. I'm like, not a big guy for rules on jokes, so take your swing. Okay, I'm not going to make them. I'm just asking. I'm just asking because there's always got to be a statute of limitation at some point. We're like, okay, like everybody dies, you got to be able to make fun of them at some point. Twelve hours. Well, that's a little short. Come on. Twenty four. Okay. Yeah, 24 is just about. 855-2124-CBS. Chad Brown coming up at 1235, 12.40 p.m. Eastern. Also, Dan Shaughnessy in just about an hour. I want to get to Edwin and Flushing. Ed, you're next up on CBS hey. Sports Radio. Go ahead, Edwin. Hey, Ken. How are you? First time listener, first time caller. I guess I got lucky. <laughs> it's okay, Edwin. Um, you go right on ahead. We'll see how the call goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to know uh, real quick, um, the the NASCAR do they do they have a Hall of Fame 
Yeah. I got two points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. Do? Yeah, and uh, uh, real quick on your uh, another point on the NASCAR, um, Tony Tony Stewart. You think his legacy will be tainted on his recent tragedy with the accident with the other driver? Uh, it's one of those things that always needs to be brought up. Uh, I don't think that, and I I agree with a lot of the other people. Just because, and some people will bring up the test and everything, just because there was something found, and it doesn't mean that he he just the 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 kid. What was his name? Kevin. I want to say I forget his name now. It's a shame I do. He shouldn't have been out there on the track. I do believe Tony Stewart wasn't trying to kill the guy. All right? right. Um, but, yes, it, when when something bad happens, I'm not one of the people that believe that just because a guy is really good at something, we need to forget the bad things. It, it's what makes them, makes them human. And that is something, because of his previous history, uh, carries on with Tony Stewart. I happen to, when, in reading everything and talking to some of the people that I've talked to, and I do mean this. I do believe that he did it by accident. Uh, but right. obviously there are some people in the uh, New York area who believe otherwise. And that well, will I, always I follow him. It, it should accident. always follow him. Yeah, I believe it's an accident for the record. And to my NFL point, yeah. um, the league, the league has, has been in negotiations and there's some rumors with the competition committee that been rumored to be maybe negotiating, changing the call. My thing is the NFL, Roger Goodell, has yet to come out publicly to say anything. And there's also might be some rumblings with the grooming, the, the gaming gurus on a class action lawsuit. I'll hang up and listen. My final thing, let's go as far as the rules. Let's go with the overtime Madden rule and call it a day. <laughs> and I'll hang <laughs> right. up and listen. Thanks, guys. And- Ed, thank you very, Edwin, thank you very much for the call, buddy. The first thing about the competition committee in the, in the comments, we should hear something from Roger Goodell this week. What, what those comments are going to be, I'm not sure. Uh, he usually gives a press conference the week of the Super Bowl. I'm not sure what days co- it, it will be coming up, but he usually gives a press conference, like a state of the NFL address uh, before the Super Bowl. So we should know something there. As far as overturning the call, I, you can't overturn the call. You overturn the call, then you open up some more problems. I think you got the best they they were going to give you when the news was broken yesterday that Nikel Roby Coleman was fined just over twenty six thousand for the helmet to helmet call. I think the NFL, in their own way, are telling you that that was a wrong call and we missed that call without taking real sincere ownership of that terrible call. It's wrong to some people, but that's as good as, good as they're going to give you. And it was a terrible call. But when we're hearing, well, they they might have to open up the reviews and open up the replays of everything. You're really going to do that now? We're going to open up replays of everything? Because a good coach, a guy like Sean Payton himself who got jobbed in this call, or Belichick or anybody, any guy worth his salt, you can job the system in a big moment. If I know that I have it in my pocket, because people say, well, Ken, you always have a limit on the amount of of challenge flags that you can throw. Okay, I'll, I'll save it for the biggest moment in the game. Two minutes left to less or more than two minutes left to go. I have timeouts left. I haven't used one. I'm down by six. I'm trying to drive down the field. I got one missed. I'm going to go ahead and throw it, knowing that I can job the system. Because at some point on that route, there's going to be something that's either PI or I can also gamble that they'll call something because they saw it on the route. Like a defensive hold of some sort. It makes it too easy to game the system to find an advantage. The whole point of review and the whole point of the replays are to be able to make it as fair as possible. That's why we review every scoring. That's why we review all the things that we review is to make the game as fair as we possibly can. 
So you'll water it down even more. Forget about the time wasted or anything like that. They've done a good job that I have to admit during the reviews, there's some that are just ridiculous and we wait forever. And there's a lot that it adds to a little bit of the drama of it. You have to admit it does. So some of the reviews can be done in the right way. But if we're going to review past interference, okay, then you might as well start reviewing holding. And if you really wanted to do it, okay, how's about this? You do it. If you review it, if you want to throw the review in there, I think that it should be worth all the timeouts you have left. If you can't get something called as something that's as easy as that, pass interference, if you can't get something called on that review, you lose all the timeouts. Not just one. You're done for the day on reviews, and you're done with your timeouts. And I mean the whole game because it's that much of a waste to me. So you better make it worth it to go in there and go ahead and do it. Because this is one huge blown call, and it's a huge blown call, man. Huge blown call. And I do sympathize with Saints fans. I I, I wouldn't want to feel that way with a young quarterback, and I can't imagine being a Saints fan, knowing that the, the franchise was not good before Drew Brees got there with the exception of a couple of years, and we don't know about the future because quarterbacks aren't just handed down from God. You don't know when you're going to get that close again. Drew Brees is 40. You're, you're playing on borrowed time. He's playing that well on borrowed time. You have no idea how good he's going to be for the rest of his career. Maybe you do get back next year. Maybe this was the final chance at it. So I sympathize with him, but I don't want to do strong. I don't want to make too strong a decision based on one call. I still have to keep a proper mind about it and not have an overreaction to something that was a terribly blown call. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Still, why say I don't want to have an overreaction? I still say, you really want change? Put their jobs on the line about it. Also, yeah, you got to fix overtime. How do I do it? I'll tell you next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.